So good morning. If you don't know who I am, I am Bill Hilligans. I'm the youth pastor here at the Cedar Lake campus. It's my joy to share God's word with you this morning. Um, last week, if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back online and check out Pastor Steve's sermon from last week. It was truly, truly amazing. He spoke on the sanctity of life as it was Sanctity of Life Sunday, that all human life, regardless if we like certain people or not, all human life is created in the image of God. And uh, he challenged us to be proactive, to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. But speaking on the sanctity of life, I am taking undue privilege maybe this morning. And um, I don't know if Jerry and Laura Kaufman are here or not, but Jerry and Laura Kaufman's son married my daughter. And speaking of the sanctity of life, we were blessed as a family with a new life this week. So I present to you my new granddaughter, Luca. Yes, we rejoiced. We had great joy. It was different than just being happy, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But we knew the struggles of the pregnancy that my daughter had went through. We prayed every day for the unborn child, and we knew that this was from God. And so being a grandpa for the first time, I figured I could wear the Fred Rogers sweater this morning and be all set. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we just give you this time and we pray that we will slow down. We pray that we will allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to challenge us where we need to be challenged. And God, may we, just, may we walk out of here different this morning than when we walked in. And may we just not that, let this be something that we heard this morning, but may we apply it to our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So rejoice. Philippians 4, 4 to 7 is where I'm going to be at this morning. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can. Otherwise, it will be up on the screen, but it's always good to follow along. Philippians 4 starts out with a couple ladies in the church uh, in Philippi that are having some kind of problem. There, there's some kind of battle going on. We know this. They're both believers, as it is said in the passage their names are both written in the book of life. So two ladies having a little conflict, don't know what it was, but it was evident that it was a big enough conflict that it got all the way back to Paul, who was in prison at Rome when he let, wrote the letter to the Philippian church. And how he approaches this is not a sit-down session one-on-one. -on -one. And that may have already happened. We are told to do that at times if we have conflict with somebody else, Luke uh, or Matthew 18 instructs us to sit down one and one and then the process to go from there. But Paul doesn't do that here. I think that probably already happened. And he gives them a way of life that they should live. This is the way you should live your life. He gives them and us an idea of what our lives should look like on a daily basis if we are truly following Jesus Christ. So let me read the passage, Philippians 4, 4-7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your, your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See how he starts out there? He says but this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And this is not to be passed over as some kind of friendly church greeting when we walk in in the morning on Sundays. Hey, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice back at you, buddy. Rejoice in the Lord. No, no, this is taken to be much deeper than just a friendly greeting. It's crucial to the Philippian church what he's talking about here, and it's very crucial to us as well, our lives. Now, we go, before we go on and start to explore our rejoicing, we need to know where our rejoicing is actually coming from. Psalm 37, 41 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Think about that for a second. I sought the Lord. So we go to the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Okay, Sometimes I think we may get that wrong. He delivered me from my fears. He may not have delivered me from the situation that I am in or the process that I'm going through, but he delivered me from the fears of that situation. Psalm 94, 19. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cure my soul. I got a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things, and I I go to the Lord and his consultation, his, his, he consoles my soul. Psalm 104, 34. May my meditation be pleasing to him. Is our meditation pleasing to the Lord? Or is it just kind of plateaued uh, as, as we fly by? May my meditation be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. You know, Christian brothers and sisters, we are not called to be the grumpy person at work, the grumpy person in school, the person who is angry all the time, the bad attitude bill, if you want to. That has no positive reflection on our Heavenly Father at all. In fact, it keeps people away from you. If you're going, why don't people want to come up to me? And it may be your attitude. When I first got into ministry, somebody, one of, my, uh, one of the people that were uh, on my staff said to me, you know, you can never lead somebody to Christ with bad breath. <laughs> okay, that's good. But I would say this, you can never lead somebody to Christ if they won't even come to you to smell your breath. If you have this bad attitude, it's hard to share the gospel when no one wants to talk to you. But God sent his son to die for us. And, and I want to explain something. Not only did he take the wrath and the punishment for our sin on the cross. Jesus takes that for the, us. He then rose again, and with our faith in him, we can rise to a heavenly existence. And we say, yes, that's phenomenal, that's great, but I want to put a cherry kind of on the top of that Sunday. Because he didn't just leave us hanging here and say, yeah, uh, Christ died for your sins. Get through life. Have at it. He actually sends his Holy Spirit when we trust 
Jesus Christ, the Savior, he sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And we've been talking about this at Verge. We're talking about the early church of Acts. And in Acts 1, he says, I am going to send this power to you. This power that will indwell in you. And that word power is the word dynamis, which becomes the word dynamite. This power that is inside of us. This holy God that lives inside of us is as powerful as dynamite. And just when we think, can't think, we think it can't get any better, he says, I am empowering you with God inside of you, God in us. So we rejoice in the Lord. We have a lot to rejoice about, not only on this earth, but also our eternity is secure through Jesus Christ. And when we rejoice in the Lord, we don't nitpick other people. We don't nitpick other Christians. When we rejoice in the Lord, we look through a different lens at our circumstances. And this is not only directed at the two ladies in Philippi, but it's directed to us, to everyone. Rejoice always. Again, rejoice. This is a constant way of life. A life that is a life of rejoicing is a life of joy. And happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness, so many times, it's about my life circumstances. My happiness depends on the circumstances of my life. For some of you, a new puppy would bring happiness. George, my daughter's dog that lives in Indianapolis, is a 90-pound sheepadoodle. He thinks he's a lap dog. He brings me happiness when he comes over. I love to go out in the backyard and play with George and have fun. That's a happy time. And maybe in your life you say, well, money will bring me happiness. I like when I'm making lots of money. Uh, maybe say, you know, I need a little bit more fame. I need a little bit more influence. I need a little bit more power. <sighs> Money can only buy you so much. Fame and power will fade. And George goes home, and I have to clean up the backyard. And my happiness is no longer there. My wife, a number of years ago, gave me a book, and it was 14,000 things to be happy about. And they had all sorts of little things in there that you read and you go, ah, that could make me happy. One of them was uh, Christmas tree farms. Now, some of you are going, I love Christmas tree farms. It is a family time. We go out, we pick out that tree, we cut it down. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that makes me happy. I have to tell you, we did that for about five years, and there was never a happy moment. <laughs> Every time I got the tree home, it was crooked, the trunk. One year, I actually had to put a rope around the trunk and nail it to the wall so it would stand up straight. So, yeah, Christmas tree farms don't make me happy, but maybe they do you. Steamboat Willie, the first Mickey Mouse movie, maybe that makes you happy. Chalk drawings on the sidewalk. And I remember this specifically when we finally came back to in-service church. Some of our, our kids in uh, Ellen's care, they went out there and they, they drew all these chalk drawings on the 
sidewalk out in front of church and I, I was out there and I was watching you guys walk up and you're smiling and it, it made you happy. It was, yeah, we're back in church. These things make you happy. And you can insert whatever you want that makes you happy, that makes you smile. But when we rejoice, we have a God-given joy. It is the reflection and the nature of God living inside of us. And joy is included in the fruits of the Spirit. And we all have, as believers in Christ, we all have all the fruits of the Spirit. So you do have joy. This should be a distinctive mark of every Christian. Christian joy does not come and go with circumstances. Rather, it is based on your relationship with the Lord, your own personal relationship with the Lord, a relationship that doesn't change. Will we have times of sadness? Yes, we will. I remember when my father passed away in 2009. I was very sad. I was going to miss him, but my dad was a solid believer in Jesus Christ. There was a joy I knew that he was now out of his suffering and he was with his heavenly father. Was there a sadness here? But there was still a joy, a a, a godly joy. And I want you to understand something. James 1, 2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of when you face trials of various kinds, we are going to face trials of various kinds. And he says, "Count it all joy when you're facing those trials." So this God-given joy continues even in our trials. And the church at Philippi was suffering opposition at the hands of the Roman citizens, and they had some turmoil in their church. And Paul is saying, "Rejoice." Rejoice again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What does that really mean? Don't get worked over, up over things that don't matter. And I have done that very well. We've all done that. If we are truthful, in the last couple of years, we have got worked up over things that just don't matter. Now, don't think that I am saying that we should compromise our biblical theology. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. We should shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. That is our calling, Christians. In Romans, Paul tells us this, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But there are times we need to be flexible on matters that just don't matter. That is what he is saying here, with the reasonableness. What color is the church carpet? It doesn't matter. Do we have tacos or burgers at the next outdoor service? It doesn't matter. Families, kids, I'm talking to some of you. Your parents ask you to take out the garbage for the third time this week. And you go, it's not fair. I shouldn't be. My sister hasn't taken it out all this week. Does it really matter? They're not trying to penalize you. Just do it. Families, parents, how do you 
handle the off-the-wall idea that your teenager brings to you that is not unbiblical? Well, in my day, moderation as long as it is biblical. When we rejoice in the Lord, what matters is the cross of Christ. That's the bottom line. And Christian unity only happens when we surrender ourselves to his will. Rejoice again, I say, rejoice. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. And then he drops kind of in the middle of this something. Do not be anxious. There was probably a lot of anxiety in the Philippian church with everything that was going on. And so Paul throws in, do not be anxious. And anxiety in our world over the last couple years has spiked because of what we have been going through. The uncertainty of COVID. What is true in our world depends on what news station you actually listen to. Families have been split by this. Family gatherings have been canceled because of this. There are many job issues where people have been laid off. There's sadness. There's so much death. And there's a certain anxiety and depression that has spiked. One of our high school students uh, recently did a paper on anxiety and depression in her school, a local high school here. And uh, one of the questions was, as of now, which of the following would you say affects you? 47% of the students that she polled said depression is affecting them right now. Uh, In that survey, also, it said that 78% said that anxiety was affecting them. And then the question was asked, what steps are you presently taking to improve your mental health? And here's what's really sad. 52% said they're ignoring it. Now, I did like one of the questions on there. It said, uh, has uh, school affected your mental health? 78% said yes, and I would be in that when I was in high school. It did affect me mentally. But what I'm about to say, and I want you to understand what I'm saying about anxiety and depression, I want to make it clear. There is a need in many cases that we get good Christian counseling for this. And could there indeed be a chemical imbalance that needs to be dealt with? I'm not excluding those. But Paul right here gives us an excellent starting point on how to deal with this. He says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer. And prayer can be a much debated and discussed subject. And sometimes it's really confusing to all of us. Does prayer change things or does prayer change people? Does God change his mind with believing prayer, or does God move us to pray? What does it mean to pray without ceasing? How do you pray? Who can pray? Maybe in this room we could find different answers to all of those questions. But the bottom line is this. Prayer is Christians talking to God. And yes, I said Christians. 
believers in Jesus Christ talking to God. Say, so where do you come with that? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We need Jesus Christ as our Savior. We need to trust that he took our sin to the cross and died for us. And when we trust that, when we make that personal, he is our mediator between God the Father and us. And if you ever thought to yourself, why do we say in Jesus' name? Because we are going through Jesus to the Father. And if you're not a believer, you can't go through Jesus because you haven't accepted Jesus. So it's Christians praying to God. We also see in James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Romans 3 says, there's no one righteous, no, not one. Only Jesus is righteous. My righteousness comes from him. It's not because I'm some good dude that I become righteous. It's only through my faith in Jesus Christ and him imputing his righteousness to me. And someday when you and I stand before a holy God, we're going to be humbled beyond what we could ever, and it's all about him. His righteousness for me. The prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. As Christians, we have access to the Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe. But you know, maybe the question that we need to ask in our own personal lives is this. What is my relationship with my Heavenly Father? In normal life, we all have general acquaintances. Maybe it's uh, your work friends or your gym friends or your school friends. And, and those friends are the ones that we would talk about the weather, or who we want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But we would never get into our innermost hurts or struggles with those general acquaintances. But then we have an inner circle of friends, better friends, who we would share maybe our hurt or our pain, the concerns we have for others, maybe the concerns we have with our family, and we have that inner circle. And if you are married here today and you are married, I hope that your spouse uh, is the thing that you can is the person that you can share things with that you can only share with them. Your spouse should be your closest earthly relationship if you are married. And how easily I speak to a person depends on how well I know and I trust that person. If we do not know God well, if God is a one and done on Sunday, prayer will take on a different look than if we have an intimate relationship with him. When we know him well, prayer is like having a conversation with a close friend, like the perfect father that we can trust with anything. We as a nation of believers within the church have got ourselves so busy with so much stuff that doesn't matter that we've become too busy to pray when in fact we are too busy not to pray. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was busy from before sun up to after sundown. 
And he, in his own physical form, he got so tired that he fell asleep on a ship in the midst of a storm. That's exhaustion. But yet he reminds us time and again his dependence on the Heavenly Father. In our passage today, it says, And when we pray in supplication with thanksgiving, by coming to the Father earnestly or humbly for ourselves or others, are you troubled about work? Are you troubled about others and their struggles, the future? How do we stay in prayer? Jesus' prayer life, look at the Gospels, look at Jesus' prayer life. His prayer life was not a fast food prayer life. He didn't drive through the McDonald's lane of prayer in and out and be done. It was intentional and it was set aside. That is our Savior who set the example for us. And too many times I found myself, and maybe you found yourself, uh, uh, praying for something of concern to you. And maybe we really pray hard about it for a couple, three days, and then we quit. We're not seeing God answer this. Come on, God, get on my time schedule here. And then we let it lay, and then God didn't answer that the way I wanted, so no sense praying. Paul's promise, as he's speaking God's word here, the promise is not that he will fulfill those requests the way that we want them. And Paul knew that. Paul in Romans 15, verse 20, read it. It's really interesting. He tells the church at Rome, strive with me in prayer. Please be with me in prayer. And he gives them three things. He says that I may be rescued from the unbelievers at Judea. Uh, That my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable and I may come to you with joy being refreshed. Now we see in Scripture how those prayers were answered. He fell into the hands of the unbelievers and spent two years in a prison in Caesarea. We're not positive if his message was acceptable in Jerusalem. And this joyous journey of going to Rome to be refreshed when he got to Rome, yeah, hardships, delays, and when he arrived in Rome, he was a prisoner. But in everything with prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, when we are thankful in prayer, it shows this incredible dependence on God, that all we have comes from Him. You know, we get this right on Thanksgiving sometimes. You know, we do it well. But too many times, I don't know about you, but I know about myself, I have prayed for something, prayed for something, prayed for something, and it happens, and I move on with my life, and I forget to say thank you. It takes the dependence that I was showing on God away from God. When we are not moved to be thankful in any occasion, and trust me, I work in student ministry, middle school and high school students, there's probably not a lot of thankfulness going on there. It isn't always expressed because we have to remember that the whole world revolves around middle school and high school students. But if we're honest, we at times think the whole world revolves around us as well, don't we? David Jeremiah said this, 
Humanism in its rawest form is opposite of the gospel, Christian gospel. It teaches that we do not need God because we ourselves are God. It says we can be masters of our own fate and the captains of our own soul. It shows it's all about me. It's a form of self-idolatry. But prayer stabs at that thought process. And as a blessed country, we have been focused on the me and the now. But God calls us to be a thankful people, to be dependent on him, one that rejoices in all things, knowing that all things come from our heavenly Father. Let your requests be known to God. And here's the promise. The promise is not that he's going to answer it exactly how you want. But here is the promise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Now that word guard there, it's a military term. This is how vigilant God is about our hearts. He will guard our hearts from preventing an invasion to preventing a hostile takeover. But we need to be in prayer. There is a world out there that wants your Christian heart, brother and sister. And it will get it. If you're not in prayer, if you are in prayer, God will be guarding that heart. But the peace of God that is beyond comprehension will guard your heart. The peace of God. It's another fruit of the Spirit, another fruit that you have with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And this peace of God, it is beyond human understanding. We at times cannot think beyond ourselves. But do we really believe that God is completely 100% trustworthy at his word? That even though we don't have it figured out, he does. And Paul, being a Hebrew of Hebrews, a a Jew of the Jewish faith, the Hebrew view of the heart is the center of one's being. Proverbs 4, 23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And he says, here's the promise. God will guard your mind as well. These thoughts that lead to fear and distress... Those thoughts of, what was me? Those thoughts that keep us from trusting our prayers, they will be guarded. And it is a promise. Rejoice. Live a life of Christ-like joy. Do it in prayer. And experience true peace, a peace that the world does not know. You see, the Lord is near. And I think sometimes we forget that. We think we're doing life all on our own, but the Lord is near. The Lord is with us. And we live in a post-Christian world, a a world of post-modernity that says there are no absolutes here except for the absolute that you want to make it. A world that has lost its bearings because it has basically abandoned our Heavenly Father. And some of you are going, yeah, it sure is. This place is going to... In a handbag. But I want to say this. I think that works in our favor. In a world of fear, we can rejoice in a life of joy. 
We can show the world what true peace is. The Lord is near. And he can turn our present troubles to joy. My question is, is there something in your life right now that is hindering you from seeing the joy of the Lord? What does your personal prayer life look like? Is your heavenly Father a a close friend? Or is he just a distant acquaintance? And I want to tell you, I know that many of you are prayer warriors in this church. And from my wife and I, we can say thank you. Because in the last week of my daughter's pregnancy, she was taken to the hospital in an emergency situation. We're highly concerned, and we put it on the prayer chain. And man, you just responded, and we felt those prayers. And I know that many of you are prayer warriors from what we see, you know, on a weekly basis when something comes through. We are praying, and we are starting to be a really praying church. And so thank you for that. Rejoice in the Lord. Pray in all things and experience the peace of God that is beyond all understanding. Rejoice, prayer, peace.